painting to photography, from beadwork to woodworking. KQAL-FM on the campus of Winona State University presents Artbeat. Artbeat highlights the work and accomplishments of local artists from in and around Winona. Support for Artbeat is made possible by the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Rochester has a crow problem, and a new documentary film titled The Crows by Tyler Ogg highlights the issue. Using a mix of humor and facts about crows to ask a serious question, how can Rochester live together with the crows? The film The Crows will be shown at the Grey Duck Theater and Coffee House in Rochester this Thursday, December 5th, 2019. The film takes a humorous look at the crow situation, examining attempts to relocate the crows, along with an attempt to bring them into the art community? Anyway, I spoke with Tyler to get a little background on the subject and the filmmaker himself. And before I got a chance to even ask Tyler, he told me, yes, I have been pooped on. I'm Bill Stoneberg with filmmaker Tyler Ogg, talking about the film, The Crows. about that time, the dark time. Yeah, I remember, I remember that day. Of course I remember the birds. They were everywhere. Crows, yeah, yeah, I remember the crows. That was something else. I'm here with Tyler Ogg, uh, the filmmaker behind The Crows. You know, it's a documentary uh, made in uh, Rochester about the crow issue going on there. How are you doing today, Tyler? Excellent. Cool. Glad to be on the show here. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for joining us. Um, I could not pass this up. You know, when I saw this online, I was like, The Crows? What is that? You know, and, and started checking it out, and it says, you know, comedy, mockumentary, ecological documentary on the Facebook uh, description here. And, right, uh, yeah. and I just thought that this is, I, I gotta find out more about this and this guy, you know? So, so thanks awesome. for joining us. Um, you know, I was kind of curious, you know, since it is kind of humorous, but there's also facts in it stuff, you know, it's, it's kind of Definitely. a, kind of a mix up, a mashup of like documentary and mockumentary. Um, you know, it's entertaining yet you learn some stuff. I think I did anyway, you know? Yeah. So I'm kind of curious, like, we hope know, so. right. It says that, you know, crows, uh, uh, are somewhat monogamous and woo each other with shiny objects, you know, but they can also be promiscuous. Oh, yeah. um, I, they use tools. I didn't know that. And then yeah. I, I was real curious, Tyler. Um, there is a mention in there about crow necrophilia. Is that real oh, yeah. or is that like part of the joke? Yeah, that's that's a real thing. Oh, I, wow. had, uh, I had tracked that down through a doctor who had done her PhD research on... Uh, Corvid behaviors, and she's uh, she's a crow freak. So I had reached out to her about using some of the actual footage of that behavior um, that she had had online, and she was excited about the project because you know she kind of uh, breaks those certain things down into more study based things. And I was like, I want to do kind of an accumulation or, or kind of a platform to you know talk about every aspect of, of crows, and so. Yeah, that's uh, crow necrophilia is actually a real thing. Wow, that is... yeah, more from a more from a kind of sex crazed hormonal time of year standpoint. Um, okay, it's a rare occasion, but uh, just seeing that footage was just like wow. I can't imagine waiting around or <laughs> <laughs> to try to get that actual footage. And that of itself was kind of 
funny. Right. So, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. You know, and that's the really cool thing. Like I said, you know, before we started, I told you, you know, I really enjoyed the film. Um, and that was one of the cool things about it was that, you know, you learn some facts and stuff in there, but it's also fun, you know, and uh, yeah. it's very entertaining to watch. Um, you know, along those same lines of, you know, documentary, mockumentary, that line you're walking there, um, are are all the characters, you know, on the mockumentary side, do like they represent kind of certain people or attitudes surrounding the crow situation? Definitely. Um, that was a that was a huge thing when this all started. Um, four years ago, I was kind of living in a neighborhood close to the downtown where a lot of the crows were congregating, and um, I, I was walking home one night and got you know you know they just cover the trees. And so when you're walking underneath the trees, they're always startled, and they'll move to another tree immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that, when they're taking off, they have a tendency to poop. So I had I had a night that I was you know walking home from the bars and um, totally got pooped on right down the front of my face. Oh wow! Uh, and and so something like that becomes like you know what you know what do you do but laugh at that? Mm-hmm. Um, and at that time, there had been you know so much talk about. Um, how bad the poop problem was downtown with employees and i mean cars were just covered and the city hadn't even started to um address the issue and that's what kind of started that these all these efforts you know with lasers and hawk noises and trucks driving around and in neighborhoods with like um you know uh, those racing pistol the blank pistols mm-hmm. Um, I was even downtown last night driving and heard one go off, which is startling to hear a full gunshot downtown. Yeah. And the echo from that. So, I mean, that the crow abatement program is still alive and well. Um, wow. And at that time, too, there was a hunting group that kind of took an independent initiative um, off-site out in the country that they had a crow-killing contest. And, you know, there were people posting pictures of these piles of crows, which I included in the feature Mm -hmm. um, as like it was just kind of a weird shocker. I mean, even for people that understand the situation or even understand the legality to um, uh, hunting uh, things, it was still just kind of like a wow, that's a lot. Um, And so in a weird, demented way, that kind of became this uh, inspiration for that. And okay. so, you know, as, from a, a movie-making kind of standpoint, um, it was also a challenge to be like, how can we take um, a poop joke and tell the story of what's going on and just kind of stretch it out in a, in a fun way? You mm-hmm. know, a lot of the, you know, kind of scientific crow documentaries were rather short and, you know, a lot of good footage, um, but just really dry. You right. know, and I come from a history of just, you know, trying to you know have a kind of a lighter a lighter tone you know with with certain things and so that was the you know we could have gone to the park and rec department and you know talk to somebody with the city and get the facts about it but um we didn't really need that because it was really happening in real time mm-hmm. and so a big part of that was you know like my character in that is just this it's the grumpy corporate guy who just is tired of having his car pooped on and having to walk through it. <laughs> and then we kind of have the, the, you know, scientist that's a little, you know, on the dumb side as mm-hmm. kind of this, oh, you know, here's what we could do, right. um, kind of kind of approach. Um, but then, you know, we've got Stephanie, who is an ecological specialist with 
with the county. I ran into her randomly and was like, "Hey, do you you know do you want to talk about this?" And then when I w- when I started posting a lot of stuff about the crows and I had like a little contest of like, "Hey, send me your best crow footage." I didn't get too many uh, videos, but there's a, a few in there of people that were just walking around and grabbing footage that I added in there. Um, and then what happened is after doing these kind of mock interviews and starting to talk about the subject, um, life just kind of ended up, um, it, life just kind of caught up with itself with the whole story, and the stories kind of started to come out of that. Um, so the artist, who was kind of the primary talking point on all the crow facts, you know, she kind of messaged me, and she's like, hey, I'm working on these art projects and these kind of... Uh, uh, you know, Corvid-based, um, kind of where she was interpreting um, artistic renderings and drawings in terms of, like, um, kind of crow behaviorisms and kind of interpreting that in, in a fun way. Uh, one being, the there's a shot of them, of these crows, you know, perched, and they've got headphones on because mm-hmm. they kind of talking about how, the, you know, all of their voices are very unique, and, you know, we don't hear that. It sounds kind of you know, like this is awful, distressing, ah, and, <laughs> right? you know, and, and so we don't, you know, we're not thinking of it in terms of a kind of a humanitarian way. And then, and then one guy wanted to do this art project, uh, downtown where he wanted to collect, you know, poop on the canvases. And then, you know, the <laughs> local paper caught wind of that. And we ended up on the front page of the post bulletin. And so all these, elements started falling into place and the documentary basically just started to kind of uh turn its own key in that respect um so it was kind of fun like we you didn't i didn't force myself to go out and and really find it or push my way into it 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 kind of just came to me and i was in a way it was kind of too good to be true to not um find a, a different approaches on on certain other stories that are in there um the the scene where the guy gets gifts by the dumpster was uh, based on uh, somebody who was posting in, in kind of a, a crow appreciation fan page on, on how cool they were and <laughs> how people were feeding them and getting gifts. And so, and, you know, instead of posting, um, you know, I think they were out in Seattle or something. So instead of, like, getting that interview, we kind of just uh, created our own little, you know, kind of uh, filter of that. Right. Um, you know, with with kind of a fake character, but still the same story altogether. Mm-hmm. Totally. And then another another fun one. I had reached out to a guy that um, was doing the Crowbox project, which was basically like a vending machine that crows actually navigate and figure out how to get food out of this in exchange for trash. And I had you know reached out to him, and he was just really cool and interested in the project as well, and. You know, he. I had permission to kind of show that as a piece because, you know, again, getting footage of an actual crow in in the wild using a tool isn't isn't a thing. Um, but when it comes to certain kind of scientific research, that footage is out there. So it was a way of kind of having a platform to gather that and pull that into all these stories as well. Right. Um, right. So it was really just kind of learning. You know. You know, I'm a movie freak, and, you know, documentaries are huge nowadays as far as mm-hmm. kind of getting across information. But um, the whole idea of a mockumentary is kind of more of a Canadian genre, <laughs> you know, where we have we have our version of kind of 
where people mock reality TV like The Office. Right. Um, th- this was kind of another approach to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, yeah, it's been exciting just to see people's responses to it. And you know, you you sit down with something for four years and you've got it on deck and. Yeah, kind of setting a deadline for a premiere became that final push to be like, all right, like, you know, let's put it all together. Let's let's figure out how to tell this story, and you know, let's come up with you know some original music. And right. Mike Carroll, who worked on that, was just it was really fun to sit down and experiment with this because doing more of a full length uh, a full length piece was was really an undertaking. Uh, I've I've spent years. Um, doing micro documentaries mm-hmm. um, every other week on like arts and culture in town. Oh, cool! And so this was just kind of taking that discipline and, and kind of amplifying it in a certain way, or at least having people trust in the mission. And a lot of people have just been fascinated um, because the whole situation, and it's not just going on in Rochester. Um, you can't miss it. It's really present as to the uh, actual amount of crows going on uh, somewhere in the range of like 30,000 oh, wow. crows that are, are trying to actually nest, you know, in the area, um, which is why, you know, the city has been doing a lot to try to kind of spread them out. And mm-hmm. So wow. it just became a whole thing that just, instead of bad-mouthing it on the internet, because, like, you know, poop is a problem, I understand it, mm-hmm. there's a certain amount of curb appeal going on with the Mayo Clinic, and I get that. Right. Um, but it was also a way of being like, well, they're not awful creatures, you know. Right. Um, they're sentient beings. They're smart. Um, there's a whole lot of science to back this up. And I mm-hmm. I think the, the whole mission in that was this idea of maybe having people looking at them as a little bit differently, that we're actually going about it in, in a reasonable, peaceful way and not... So we're not seeing them doing this free-range hunting out in the wild. It's just bad practice. And, right, right. You know, I think that was the kicker, which which starts the documentary essentially on a serious tone that a lot of people didn't know that that was actually happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even certain people from, like, uh, you know, there was an Autobahn member at the last one that was, you know, a bird freak and even had some, a certain point of, like, correcting, you know, certain things that he wanted to talk about which weren't, specifically mentioned in the documentary and so there, there you know there's still stories there and people still are are interested in it to kind of uh complete a bigger picture as well which is which is good and that was the point of getting a community to actually talk about this because in the in the long run again you can't help but laugh at the situation i mean especially <laughs> when they're you know firing off gunshots downtown it's, it's a right. thing and, and it's like how do you how do you match that kind of ridiculousness in the in the same light you know, so yeah, yeah, and I and I really like that you did that, you know, stylistically, because like I said, it's entertaining to watch. You learn things, you know. I mean, um, uh, and that and that picture, that image of of the pile of dead crows, yeah, it does, it, it yeah. affects you seeing that, and you, you know, yeah. you start to wonder, you know, so uh, you know, maybe we should give crows a chance, you know, and like, <laughs> yeah, you, right. know, you know, so I mean, so, and I noticed on the. Uh, on the beginning of the uh, film, it says uh, that it was shot using early portable video equipment. Oh yeah. So yeah. what kind of what so, kind of stuff did you shoot on? What kind of cameras? Well, actually, that's so. Um, the guy that I do the audio with, Mike Terrell, um, that was it's kind of our insider joke to um, just in the idea that I'm I'm kind of a public archive freak too. I like 
going back into these you know public domain um, sites and finding a lot of stuff that's just you know dead and gone and trying to revitalize that. Um, I think there's a lot there, but then there's also kind of the new the new wave of um, what I would call an aesthetic or like in a, a nostalgic aesthetic for you know if, if you've seen the kind of VHS distortion filters that they have now mm-hmm. or you know what was what was once a mistake is now an aesthetic that people actually put on you know technology that's now clean as a whistle right. which is what which is what people wanted to begin with um, but now these mistakes have kind of become a style right and yeah. just you know kind of the fact that i was mixing between handy cams and dslrs and you know archival footage it was just a kind of a funny way of being like, hey, this you know whole thing's going to be <laughs> uh, more or less an inconsistent mess. It's not going to be a Ken Burns <laughs> documentary, basically. But so it that, gives... a disclaimer, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of a funny poke at that because it has cool. become a thing. Yeah, but it does give it kind of a cool and interesting look, you know? I mean, um, yeah. you know, I, I used to work in uh, television and I started shooting on... Uh, uh, super VHS, you know, oh, and yeah, then graduated yeah. to like, you know, DVC tapes and stuff. Yep. But, uh, oh, yeah. So it was kind of cool come, to see that look, you know? Yeah, definitely. And I come out of the, you know, tape deck to tape deck editing style, you know, early on in high school cool. before everything went digital. And so just, you know, knowing that or knowing how mistakes are made or little glitches and stuff, so, mm-hmm, right. which we didn't, we, which we didn't really add to it. Um, but still the kind of the same concept around those lines. So. Right, right. And did you, so did you um, edit it then on tape or did you uh, ingest it digitally and then edit it on nonlinear? Yeah, well, <clears throat> yeah, it was a mix from just, you know, older footage and, you know, different cameras that had been, that I started with. Um, you have phone footage too. Sometimes I'd be oh. out and, and, you know, there'd be, the whole thing going on and if you don't have your camera on you now mm-hmm. everybody has their phone so right no yeah so it was it was just you know digitally processed and then and then okay. mastered from an audio point that we we kept it pretty raw so okay cool cool and I, didn't, how... I didn't i didn't do too many filters to keep everything consistent you know so right right uh, well i like the way it looks with different you know uh obviously different cameras and formats you know yeah. Yeah. um but then again i i I enjoy video, you know, so I For like sure. to see yeah, those different right. things. Um, yeah. How did how is it uh, being projected then? Is it uh, uh, like a digital file that's being projected through a projector? Yep. Or? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So the Great Duck Theater um, goes about you know their licensing for programming. Yeah, the digital file. Okay. Era. Cool. So nothing cool. on film, <laughs> unfortunately. Right. Um, I did want to ask you. Uh, you mentioned a little bit about the paintings, the the poop paintings, you know, that were done in the park. Um, have those yeah. paintings been exhibited or sold or anything? So um, John Seavers, who uh, came up with that project, um, we had, he, he still has all of those. Okay. Uh, they were sealed in like a, you know, a polyurethane um, thing. So, you know, they weren't dirty or anything, but right. we had them, we had those, um, kind of on display at the at the first showing oh nice. um, I, I still had one in my collection but we kind of made a joke about fine art there so he had these you know ridiculous prices on them <laughs> which is again yeah kind of a laughing point or a mockery of fine art in that right. which we were kind of parallel we were 
paralleling that with the Post Bulletin article, which, you know, a lot of people were kind of strangely angry about, like, that's not our, you know, kind of thing. Oh, where, wow. You know, we, the headline was, you know, Pollock-esque painting. Yeah, I saw um, that. You know, become, become a thing. So uh, that was a way of kind of drawing that back back on itself for, for that, <laughs> which would be uh, fun to do again. But, um, yeah, John John John's a really busy guy in the local music scene. So, <laughs> well, if he ever yeah, uh, those are those are still available. So <laughs> nice, nice. And then, uh, so so in the making of this film, you know, uh, did you what's what's the most interesting thing or kind of fun thing that you learned about crows while making this? Again, yeah, going back to, um, yeah, going back to the necrophilia points or just the. <laughs> Um, the you know the tools and and certain behaviorisms. Um, once yeah, once you start digging into those facts, um, it was it was also interesting just the positive response of of you know the kind of mission in that was you know to to not badmouth the city or anything because right. you know we get that yeah. and it's happening and and people know it's happening um, the crow abatement uh, situation. Um, but more or less to again, yeah, shed some some light on the fact that these aren't just you know pesky you know rodents or something on that kind of brain scale. Like they've they've got a lot going on, and so you know really digging into that, a lot of people had a, a very positive tone because sometimes you know you could say, oh, you're just making a joke out of this. You know, we don't want to be involved. We take our work seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, it was cool to see that they kind of understood that. Um, the importance of that approach where sometimes with this kind of subject you can't always be angry or serious about it from you know kind of an ecological standpoint or an environmental standpoint or just being um, pro animal rights um, you kind of have to take that uh, with a grain of salt in the way that you approach it that people are a little bit more comfortable with satire mm-hmm. um, versus this really what could be straightforward um, again the, the pacing of the documentary going from you know, <laughs> humorous, ridiculous points to to serious um, assessments of our own ecosystems right. um, and just human behavior in general. So I, I think, you know, after digging into a lot of those facts and, and looking into a lot of research that others had actually done and, some, you know, some really rare footage um, that they were just really cool about actually being a part of it. Um, you know, that's one thing you don't... You don't think that, you know, it's one thing if Scorsese or Spielberg asked you if they can use your, you know, whatever in, in their movies, but just having a kind of mutual respect in, in a project like that um, was really just cool. Right, um, right. And just to, just to have access to that, so. Yeah, yeah, cool. And uh, and I just want to throw this out there to people. Um, uh, we're talking about The Crows. I'm talking to Tyler Ogg, and uh, he's the filmmaker behind The Crows. It's about a crow situation going on in Rochester, uh, Minnesota here. And uh, the premiere of the film, or the third showing of the film, rather, uh, they've sold out two shows already. And uh, the premiere is going to be, the next premiere is going to be this Thursday, uh, December 5th. Uh, at 7 p.m., get tickets through the Grey Duck Theater at greyducktheater.com. That's Theater ER. Uh, so, uh, Tyler, I also wanted to ask you, so how is the crow situation today? Has it gotten any better? Well, it's about the same. Um, okay. And I think the story continues just as it started. Um, 
like I said the other night, I was driving downtown and I heard a gunshot at a at a light, which kind of startled me because um, mm-hmm. you don't usually hear that, and you know right. what it is when you do hear it. It's not right. a firecracker. Um, so again, yeah, the crow abatement program that Olmstead County Initiative is uh, a peaceful, non-threatening way of uh, keeping the crows out of the downtown and. A lot of their uh, programming when it comes to lasers and hawk noises has kind of uh, been established as kind of an alarm clock before employees get downtown in the morning. So those alarms are like going off at like five in the morning Mm -hmm. uh, repetitiously as kind of a, uh, I call it an alarm clock to get the crows to push out in the mornings um, if they've settled on any of the trees downtown right because that's been the huge thing like you know you drive around and you shine lasers and they're going to move from one spot and just settle in another spot yeah and it's kind of come down to what's left of the tree situation in in the downtown area uh-huh. um you know which is just the modern construct at work and um the birds that's their home essentially and that's their safety point so they're right. going to look to find trees wherever they can so Yes, uh, it's definitely uh, still going on. Um, yeah, and you know, though, and and it seems to me that like the hawk noises, you know, the starter pistol, the lasers, um, and like you said, when that stuff starts happening, dogs start barking. It almost seems to me that it creates another kind of nuisance, I guess, for lack of a better word. You know, yeah, I mean, in it a kind way, of compounds the totally. problem. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, I think there were there were sorry there no. were enough complaints. They, they, you know, there's a few close neighborhoods to some of the parks downtown that I, um, from what I understand, they they don't drive around those neighborhoods doing that anymore because there really was enough complaints going on that people just couldn't take that, you know. So there are, you know, more residential neighborhoods that the crows are settling in now that they just don't do anything about it anymore. They've kind of reconvened to keep it in a in a certain area, which mm-hmm. is, you know downtown but yeah right. you know neighborhoods creep up you know pretty close to that whole situation regardless and right you know, so sure. so how long has the crow situation been going on in rochester so if i remember correctly the the photos that i had pulled from that hunting escapade mm-hmm. were from about 20 early 2016 oh, okay um wow. <clears throat> so and from the city's point of view, that had been going on that whole year prior. So I would mm-hmm. say 2015, okay. uh, maybe as early as 2014, um, that it was actually just so noticeable um, where when they would come back every year around late fall, um, the numbers were, you know, the, the population numbers for the crows were just really growing exponentially um, from just uh, migratory cycles and um, so yeah, it's been a a good you know six years here at least, um, and again they're back this year, <laughs> right? And the numbers are about the same. So oh, wow, you know, wow, it continues. Yeah. They've just found different areas to kind of congregate around, or we've we've now got a a massive area where there was an old uh, coal fired power plant that they've really just taken over, and you know, evening time they they come in about the time that it starts getting uh, dark. So, you know, around dusk, they just start coming in from outside the fields, and it's just a whole thing to watch them come in. You just kind of got to stop your car and watch because it's just 
again, kind of amazing. There's a fascination in that too, which kind of fuels the whole thing that, yeah, you know, yeah. people talk about it and, you know, you can't help but notice it. It's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So. Definitely. You know, and I kind of have an off the wall question here for you too. You know, you mentioned the different methods, you know, again, the Hawk noises, stuff like that, the starter pistol. Now, now the black crows, if you're familiar with them, are doing a reunion tour in 2020, but it's without their band, blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of hoopla about yeah. that. Do you think that these same measures like hawk noises, lasers, and starter, pist- starter pistols could stop them as well if we wanted to? <laughs> yeah. if, it, if it's that bad um, and it's a problem, uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's temporarily effective if you want to uh, move, them, move them away from <laughs> any sort of area. I couldn't so resist I, that. I would, I would say yes. Okay, well, maybe we should try that. Um, <laughs> I couldn't resist that one. Yeah. Um, so, so Tyler, um, like I said, I thoroughly enjoyed the film. Very cool. Um, hey, the film is called you. The Crows, for all you out there, and uh, there is a showing happening this Thursday uh, at the Grey Duck Theater in Rochester, and uh, the showing is Thursday at 7 p.m. That's December 5th. Uh, tickets can be found at greyducktheater.com. And, uh, Tyler, do you have any other uh, projects currently in the works now that we might see in the near future here? Well, yeah, um, this is a whole other interview in and of itself. Um, right. For the uh, past couple of years, I've kind of been on the Frank Lloyd Wright trail Ooh. Um, from from a very Midwestern um, perspective. And this kind of came as, um, you know, living in Minnesota and close to Wisconsin and Iowa, there's a hundred Frank Lloyd Wright uh, structures going on. And um, the kind of approach on that is not only talking about um, uh, the ideology of Frank Lloyd Wright in the kind of eco-friendly housing he was building and the environmental movement long before there was an environmental movement, mm-hmm. um, but understanding architecture in, in terms of um, the psychological effects of, of having things that are different and the kind of ecological effects of building smart houses. And now we're at a point where so many homes are coming up for sale and people aren't buying them. Um, some instances, museums are picking them up, but they're really becoming tourist attractions. Um, and I think there's an importance to there to, to kind of eco-friendly tourism and mm. keeping tourism in that respect alive. Um, there's a beautiful hotel in Mason City that people, the organization put a million dollars into and just... Uh, now, when everything's said and done, I will eventually have to get a hold of the Frank Lloyd Wright Foundation to get permission to do this. Um, mm-hmm. But by all means, it's kind of a positive approach to to that kind of tourism. Um, yeah, that's so. Like I'm a- really excited about that, um, and that's still going to be years in the making because uh, we've just finished up photographing all the sites in Minnesota, and we've got them all in Iowa. But we've still got a lot to do in Wisconsin and. There's just such a central core, and the importance of, of Frank Lloyd Wright's uh, work is not in this kind of romanticized notion of, of this club or this cult of, of architecture lovers, but just to kind of a, appeal to a younger generation that are going to be the, eventually the caretakers of, of what is a, essentially very, very unique American style, you know? Right. Um, nice. And that... then I had been... Um, on Facebook, there's a, a page called Rex, 
R-E-X. And I, last year I had shot about a half an hour of what were short vignettes, which are going to end up being the chapters in an adaptation of the Oedipus Rex story, which was the old Greek tragedy, which I've kind of turned into a kind of political crime drama where um, the flashbacks that I've shot of these little, uh, some of them are 10 minutes, some of them are six minutes, um, are just these little stories in, shot in kind of a film noir style where we don't really quite know what's going on. And I've kind of been pushing them out there. Last year, I kind of pushed one out there every month um, for six months as kind of a teaser to um, what is essentially going to end up being a full-length project. Um, I'm kind of taking the original scripting and uh, kind of modernizing it in a way, so it's not just a retelling of the Greek play, but kind of playing off of those um, elements of the downfall of a, an important individual and dealing with all the the drama that comes with that, with a mix of kind of government LSD testing and, you know, running around and very wow. film noir style. Oh, that sounds that. really so, neat. I like that. Cool. Yeah, so we had, we had, we've, you know, shot about six vignettes utilizing that and uh, a lot of that was you know shot in some Frank Lloyd Wright properties and just trying to really create a, a cool scene something that is shot in Rochester or nearby where people are like god that doesn't look like Rochester at all so, oh, so that's wow. going to be something I'll pick up and continue but you know something like that with especially with fictional storytelling it can be very uh um, overwhelming, especially in this area, to organize that. There's mm-hmm. there's a lot of theater people, but um, you know, doing professional shooting like that can can be it's a it's an exhausting undertaking if you really yeah. want to push it. Especially when you don't have a budget. That was another thing of um, how do we you know get a lot of local people involved, a lot of businesses involved with you know helping out on something that just doesn't have a budget and kind of uh, pushing you know my goals of, of filmmaking in general to uh, a different level or, or really keeping that kind of independent filmmaking um, alive and as a resource for people to get involved with. It's one, it's, it's hard to find projects on, you know, on my end of, of you know, coming out of, you know, um, that world um, mm-hmm. from an academic standpoint and trying to work in that industry uh, that you kind of end up at the end of the day, you're like, I just have to kind of make my own mm-hmm. on this yep. and really find a lot of people, you know, that I know that can be an asset to that. Uh, right. So I'm excited about that one too. That'll be the kind of a more fictional storytelling approach um, and, and really just the challenges of going after a full length uh-huh. um, product, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds really cool. I'm a, I'm a film noir fan. I like that kind of look and style and, oh, yeah. and things yeah, like that. Definitely. So that sounds really cool. Is there a place online that people can see your work or maybe uh, uh, see the Crows film if they don't make it to the next showing or? Um, yeah. So, well, when everything's said and done after, you know, kind of circulating this for a year, um, I'd like to eventually uh, put it up. Um, I um, had some videographer some local videographers shoot the original premiere mm-hmm. and i i think kind of in this idea for a final project um i had uh, you'll have to edit this but i a while back i i was always a beavis and butthead fan and i me and my roommate who had been living together i wanted to do kind of these really kind of short funny beavis and butthead episodes and so the show was called boys and we did <laughs> 14 episodes of, of 
kind of these micro stories of these two stupid guys that are like trying to make money renting out their couch or they're trying to track down pot or they're like going to meet women or trying to meet you know women and just failing and so kind of doing a comic approach that I kind of want to bring back that idea of these characters of these two guys that are hanging outside a movie theater and they're like gosh wouldn't it be cool to make a movie someday and then cut to like an 80s montage of us trying to make a, a you know a documentary about the crows and then and then have a premiere night going on because you just if you, if I were to try to figure out a budget to pay people to come to something like that or you know rent a, a commercial movie theater or something again it's like taking advantage of where real life kind of serves the subject matter you know right and right. kind of making making a a, a, a a more of a context you know where the the crow piece in a, in and of itself is is stands alone um but then kind of taking advantage of of possibly making it into a little bit longer feature to kind of put that documentary within a, another context which could also have uh more layers of comedic relief i think um, yeah definitely there's so much kind of a yeah exactly so, so so that's that's kind of in the in the works but i'm you know you get so exhausted with something you kind of want to take a break from it and then when right. you're you know done doing the the typical commercial work it's nice to have something to come back to when you're when you're on downtime or just doing research so definitely definitely so yeah i'll I eventually definitely have something online um my youtube page is obey augie o-b-e-y-a-u-g-g-y and my name tyler j and then aug um you can also search that on youtube and and so all of the rex um all of the rex episodes are on there as well as the uh f boys um episodes are on there so um that would definitely be okay. a thought but yeah if you go on facebook there's a page for for uh the f boys series and then there's also a page for for the rex um chapters so okay yeah Sounds definitely good. uh plenty of stuff out there to to eat up or criticize or hate or love i don't know so <laughs> right. Well, um, yeah, and I, I encourage anyone to check out the film. It's The Crows. Uh, it's going to be at the Grey Duck Theater and Coffee House in Rochester. Um, and by the way, uh, just check out Rochester because there's a lot of cool stuff going on there. Uh, Tyler yeah. Ogg. Tyler Ogg is the filmmaker I've been talking to. Um, and like I said, Grey Duck Theater this Thursday, December 5th at 7 p.m. Uh, we'll have another showing of The Crows. Uh, tickets are available at greyduckthater.com. And uh, check out Tyler's uh, YouTube as well and Obey Augie or just look him up, Tyler J. Og. Thanks for joining us today, Tyler. Um, this was great, and I uh, hope oh, that uh, a lot of people go to the premiere, and um, hopefully awesome. we can uh, have you on the air again sometime with some of these new projects. Yeah, absolutely. Glad to be a part of the show. Thanks again to filmmaker Tyler Og for joining us today on Artbeat. The film The Crows will be shown at the Grey Duck Theater and Coffee House in Rochester this Thursday, December 5th, 2019. For more information on the event, go to the Grey Duck Theater and Coffee House Facebook page. For more conversations on art, tune into Artbeat Tuesdays at 12:30 right here on 89.5 KQAL. I'm Bill Stoneberg, and we've just heard from filmmaker Tyler Ogg on Artbeat. Artbeat is written and produced by KQAL FM on the campus of Winona State University. Visit us on the web at kqal.org.
Is art an important part of your life? Find podcasts of Artbeat and all your favorite KQAL shows by going to kqal.org and looking for program archives under the media tab. Artbeat is made possible by a grant from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund.